Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, high school football's second season begins tonight. Maybe a soggy start to the playoffs, but no amount of rain can dampen the spirit at Donnell Stadium as the Trojans return to the postseason tournament. We'll get a preview. Also this morning, today's teens often get a bad rap as lazy, entitled, and absorbed in fleeting social media celebrity. But one national awards program is giving dedicated youth the opportunity to shine. We'll have details. Superfoods for dogs? Yeah, just like certain foods pack extra nutritional punch in our diets, it's the same for our pets. And we have some deliciously fall-inspired recipes from Tyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, October 29th, 2021. It is International Internet Day today. So celebrate the internet. Where would we be without the internet? You know, it's only been, what, 20 years or so, maybe even less, that most of us have had internet access in our homes. Um, what, yeah, when, when was it? About, uh, yeah, 1999, uh, 2000, 2001, right in there that a lot of people uh, got internet. So 20 years or so of, you know, the, the internet being everywhere, being ubiquitous. And think about life before the internet. I mean, can you even remember what, what it was like not having instant access to the internet? National Cat Day today. Uh, just think, if we didn't have the internet, then we wouldn't have all of those cat videos. So, naturally, those two things have to go together. National Hermit Day, because of the internet, we can just sit at home and be hermits all day. <laughs> National Oatmeal Day, it is World Psoriasis Day and World Stroke Day, reasons to celebrate today. So... Uh, Halloween is coming up this weekend. Are you one of those individuals that like scary things? You enjoy scary things like haunted houses and things like that? Well, it may be because you find satisfaction in conquering a threat. Um, this is, according to a research... Uh, psychologists say it is less about wanting to be scared and more about the gratification of facing your fears and coming out the other end just fine. They say it's, for many people, the reason why we enjoy roller coasters so much, because it seems scary, it seems dangerous, and the satisfaction of being able to get off the ride and being perfectly fine that's what we get out of it. It's the same thing with uh, Halloween. Um, but they say it is especially true when participating in frightsome experiences with friends. Uh, in a group of people, if you come out of a scary film or a haunted house and you are laughing and you're talking with friends, that pleasant feeling you are having can be intensified by the arousal still lingering from your fear. So... Halloween explained, courtesy of the experts. Kind of, uh, kind of interesting. Still, there are some haunted houses that may go a little bit too far. A production company in Deer Lodge, Montana, is under fire for hosting their annual haunted house in a former former funeral home. 
Now, I'm thinking this is the perfect venue for a haunted house, but Cutler Brothers Productions has received many negative comments saying this year's uh, choice in location is uh, inappropriate. One message said, this is totally satanic what you're doing, and God will hold you accountable. I don't know if I can go that far. Satanic? Really? I mean, it's a funeral home. I don't know how that could be. Um, The message goes on to say, the blood of all of these people going through the door will be on your hands. The company has held the event at different locations over the course of the last decade, but this is the first time they've had this kind of response. So, interesting. I don't know. That, to me, is... I mean, the funeral home, to me, sounds like a perfect place for a kind of a creepy haunted house. On the other hand, I would agree that there are some Halloween events that do cross the line. A live pay-per-view autopsy scheduled for Halloween night in Seattle (laughs) has been canceled due to public outcry. Uh, The event was set to take place on Sunday uh, at the conference room at local Marriott Hotel. (laughs) I wonder, did they tell the the hotel this was what they were going to do, an autopsy? I mean, really? Apparently, this is a uh, pay-per-view event, and tickets were going up to $500 as part of the Traveling Oddities and Curiosities Expo hosted by DeathScience.org. The organization held its first live autopsy earlier this month at a Marriott in Portland, Oregon. So they're taking the show on the road to Seattle. Uh, The event in Portland also drew criticism. Uh, Some people tried to get it shut down, including the local medical examiner there, but uh, it did go forward. Uh, some say they don't uh, see it as ethical or respectful. I gotta think that's that's probably that's probably a good place to draw the line. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm no, I, I I'm not. Uh, I don't want to say prude. That's not the the right word. I mean, I'm not uh, that straight and narrow. That I like the funeral home haunted house idea. Not so much the live pay-per-view autopsy that sounds like it may be a bit much people have been seeing more ghosts since the pandemic started this is kind of interesting a report in teen vogue says that since the world shut down in march of 2020 ghost hunters have been inundated with requests to investigate hauntings and psychics and mediums have seen an uptick in business as well Chris French, professor emeritus at the Department of Psychology at Goldsmiths University of London and head of the uh, Animalistic Psychology Research Unit, uh, tells Vogue magazine, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that all forms of magical thinking tend to increase at times of stress and uncertainty. And that certainly describes the past year. He added that because of the incredible loss during the pandemic, People may find comfort in ghosts because it makes death seem less final. So I can see that as well. You know, have uh, lost friends and loved ones over the course of the pandemic, and this uh, makes death seem less final. Kind of interesting. Speaking of the pandemic, 
It has spurred the rise of intentional dating the pandemic has. Now that singles are vaccinated and back online hitting the dating apps, they appear to be more interested in monogamous relationships and less interested in casual hookups. According to the Singles in America study by Match.com, they surveyed 5,000 single people in the U.S. back in August. 53% of daters on the app are now prioritizing their search for a relationship more than they did before the pandemic. Again, as opposed to just a casual hookup. The same study also found that 58% of app daters have shifted toward intentional dating and 69% of users are being more honest with their potential partners. So honesty is always the best policy. I like that. A couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things you need to know this morning. Speaking of the pandemic, the stress of the coronavirus pandemic is making it more difficult for adults to make both day-to-day and major life decisions in comparison to life before the pandemic. According to the American Psychological Association in a recent survey, millennials have been affected the most by this. More than 60% agreed that the pandemic has made them rethink how they were living their life. Uh, 63% said uncertainty about the near future causes them stress. And just about half said the pandemic had made planning for the future feel impossible. Now, that last part is kind of a fatalistic kind of view, I think. I'm not sure that I would go that far, but kind of interesting. Uh, Let's see. And if you are putting off getting it, this kind of cycles back to scary things as we started this morning. Uh, If you are putting off getting your COVID-19 vaccine because you hate needles, then listen up. Early trials of an intranasal vaccine indicate that unvaccinated patients who are given a couple of drops of the vaccine in each nostril have uh, average antibody levels slightly higher than those measured in people with natural immunity to the virus. So not as good as the shot in the arm, but better than if you get the virus and recover and that natural immunity. The initial human trial is still ongoing, and uh, it only has 70 participants in it so far. So this is a very small sample as vaccine trials go. But it's only in phase one, meaning that any approval or even emergency authorization for this type of vaccine is many months Uh, And likely several thousand more volunteer participants away at best. But early trials of an intranasal vaccine are ongoing. So stay tuned. So the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Emchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, showers today with a high of 59, showers tonight a low of 50. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is urging everyone to be mindful of kids trick-or-treating 
in residential areas over the next few days. Crime prevention specialist Corey Hartman with some advice for parents when deciding on their kids' costumes. Masks are fun, but they can also cause uh, vision obstruction for your children as they're out trick-or-treating. Limit any kind of accessories like pointed props, wands, swords, and knives, which can cause safety issues. And he says any drivers who happen to be out during trick-or-treat need to slow down and be alert for children who may dart into and across the roadway. Finley's trick-or-treat is coming up on Saturday from 4 to 6. Get more on our website. Police have arrested a man in connection with the death of the grandson of Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. 24-year-old Frank Q. Jackson was shot and killed last month. Investigators believe Robert Shepard directed him to the location where he was ambushed. Shepard is facing an aggravated murder charge, although it's still unclear who fired the shots that killed Jackson. Initial jobless claims in Ohio have returned to pre-pandemic levels for the first time, according to two weeks of state data. The Ohio Department of Job and Family Services reported that 7,044 Ohioans filed initial claims for unemployment for the week ending October 23rd, the lowest figure of the pandemic in the second week in a row that claims dipped below 8,000 for the first time since the winter of 2020. Nationally, unemployment claims also fell to a pandemic low of 281,000. Ohio's unemployment rate has held steady at 5.4% for the past three months. The national jobless rate is 4.8%. Dave James, I went in news. Registration is underway for Camp Fun, a program designed for area youth who have been affected by addiction and overdose. The camp is a community collaborative initiated by the Hancock County Opioid and Addictions Task Force. The Fun in Camp Fun stands for Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing. The purpose of the camp is to provide positive encouragement and support for impacted youth. There's no fee to attend the camp, but spots are limited. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. We're going to jump right in and lead things off with our high school football preview this morning because it is playoff time. The Trojans, of course, closed out the regular season last week with a big win over Lima Senior. And now heading into the playoffs as winners of five in a row. We'll see if they can keep it rolling. Ahead of tonight's Week 11 tilt against Miamisburg, our John Marshall spoke with head coach Stephen Adams on Wednesday's Coach's Corner. The regular season is over. You finished with five straight wins going 7-3, and 5-2 and two in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Not so bad for your first season as the top Trojan, but we're not done yet. <laughs> no, not even close. Uh, yeah, no, I mean... Very proud of our, you know, of everybody involved, right? The the kind of behind the scenes people, um, you know, that really help and help hand in hand with me, the, to our AD, to our players, to our coaches, to our whole community. So uh, just a test to kind of everybody coming together from the start of Midnight Madness to now. So it's been a fun ride this year. A big win last Friday, 45-12 over Lima Senior. Three touchdowns through the air from Ryan Montgomery, one to Ben Ireland, two to Max Roth. Three touchdowns on the ground. Alex Tice for one. Isaac James for two. That's a lot of people involved in scoring. Oh, and the lineman who blocked to make it all happen. <laughs> Never want to forget about the big men up front. Yeah, no, absolutely. Offensively, uh, I think our offense has done a good job of evolving and really kind of turning a corner to where we really are using our weapons as much as possible. And, and just based upon, 
you know, with the defense has given us, everybody has opportunities to touch the ball. So uh, it was fun last week, especially on senior night, to see those seniors uh, get opportunities to, to, to get into the paint um, and have, uh, you know, a good time. So uh, big credit to, to those guys and big credit to our offensive line for uh, obviously holding it down. On defense, Sam Weirau led the team with 10 tackles. Are you shocked? No, but still, 10 tackles in a game. No, Sam, once again, I, I just can't say enough about the kid. Uh, you know, a captain of their team, a kid who truly kind of embodies what it is to be Trojan true, uh, to be all in as far as our program is concerned, and um, just goes hard. He cares. He loves the game of football. Um, this is this is as good as he's ever felt, and he's making all the plays that he needs to make, and uh, super proud of him and, and kind of being a leader and anchor for our defense and for our team as well, too. And it can't be too bad when you come away with five interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Big, big credit to uh, Coach Slater and the defensive backs, and that quarterback gave us opportunities, and we took advantage of it. So big, big hat off to Coach Slater and the DBs, and they, they call themselves the BOF, the best on the field. Now you're happy dance over for that one, yes. and you are on to preparing for your playoff game at home with the 6-4 and four Miamisburg team. They finished in the tie for fifth in mm-hmm. the eight-team Greater Western Ohio Conference. It would appear that Miamisburg is more apt to throw the ball than to run. Senior quarterback Justin Berry completed just about 55% of his passes for over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Uh, yeah, but really it's a team that when they want to, they want to offensively be able to be a wing T running the ball team. Um, had some opportunity to look at some film and you know saw the games where maybe there are tighter games and they had to throw. Uh, and they have a big playmaker in number 84 who's getting some, some good looks out there. Um, but they definitely, in the games that they've won, have had more uh, yardage in the rushing area. So if given the opportunity, they want to be able to run the ball. They want to be able to run that wing T offense, the buck sweep, the traps. Uh, but they will throw out of necessity as well, too. Uh, Jackson McGowan, as you mentioned, leading the Vikings in receptions, 44 catches, 660 yards, despite yeah. missing the first two games. He's Barry's favorite target, probably because he's six foot five. Big kid, big playmaker ability, uh, and we know, um, you know, we got to put some things in place and make sure we can kind of control him and hopefully stop him. Junior running back Christian Davis led the team yep. in rushing 110 carries, 460 yards, seven touchdowns, and with all of those carries, just one fumble. Yep, I think any coach is going to emphasize ball security. Uh, but that comes more and more into play when you are running the ball as much as uh, they want to and as they have. So uh, definitely good job securing the ball. They don't really, you know, as we talked about it, you know, in the run game, they don't really beat themselves. They're pretty sound. Uh, they do a good job being effective and singling their blocks. Uh, we just got to make sure that we do a great job on first down of getting them behind the chains. Luke Myers that led their team in tackles with 86. Yeah. Somehow you're going to have to get a good block on number 32 every play. Yeah, does a great job of uh, flying around making tackles. The way they do it with a three down front, they want to be able to kind of absorb and take up blocks with a big strong nose tackle and uh, be able to keep their linebackers free to make plays. So uh, it is imperative that we do uh, get a body on a body um, and sustain our blocks. So not just getting on blocks, but get on the blocks and then sustain the block for uh, as long as we need to so that way we can create our running lanes and uh, hopefully be able to hit some big runs. You've kind of already touched on this, kind of your overall take on Miamisburg. Pretty good team. Yep, everybody uh, right now has an opportunity and knows what's at stake, and it's basically you win and you move on. Uh, you lose and uh, maybe you move on to another sport or you're done playing football for the year. 
we're super excited. I think it's going to be a good battle, and uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity to play in front of our home fans again. And, of course, the 7-3 and three Trojans host 6-4 and four Miamisburg this evening. Our coverage begins with tonight in high school football from the Ohio News Network right after the 6 o'clock news. It'll be followed by Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height with the call on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Other action this weekend around our area is on Saturday night. Arlington and Macomb will do battle once again. That one, by the way, will be at Donnell Stadium as well, and you'll hear it on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA, tomorrow. Van Buren is at Cary. Bath is at Liberty Benton. Columbus Grove hosts Ottawa Hills. Bluffton travels to Liberty Center. Hardin Northern is at Hopewell Loudon. Lima Perry at Upper Scioto Valley. Ayersville at Lipsick tomorrow night. Mohawk is at Waynesfield Goshen and Chippewa is at Ottawa Glandorf and that one on 106.3 The Fox. You can follow all those games and more in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com slash scoreboard. We also have that linked up at goodmornings.net and of course catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall Live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at 6 or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. You know, all too often we hear negative stories about today's young people. Either they're lazy or they're entitled or they're too wrapped up in social media and the mirage of celebrity and... Sometimes they're painted as nothing but a bunch of delinquents. But there are an awful lot of teenagers, uh, probably the majority in all reality, uh, who are doing great things in communities all over the country. And the Shine Awards Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that recognizes those positive achievements of teens, are seeking nominations now for students to be honored at the 13th Annual Shine Awards. And joining us is Orlana Darkins-Drury, co-founder and executive director of the Shine Awards Foundation. Orlana, talk a little bit about the inspiration for this. How the Shine Awards came about? So the Shine Awards was created because when I was a young person, I was a good student. I was well-mannered. I grew up in a Christian home. I was doing great things. And in talking to other adults, you know, they would congratulate me. They were wishing me well. But somewhere in the conversation, they would say, so where do you live? And at the time, I lived in a low housing income community. Hmm. So when I said the name of the neighborhood, instantly, I would see the light dim from their eyes. It was like all hope was lost for me. And that impacted me as a young person, like, oh my gosh. So luckily, you know, I didn't let that crush me, but that has been the fuel for keeping the Shine Awards going, as you mentioned at the top, um, for 13 years. Um, Our mission is to highlight and promote publicly the positive achievements of young people. So you see this as something of a blueprint for young people to not only make good decisions for themselves, but to become positive contributors to those around them. Yes, I do. Um, Just like adults, young people like to be seen for the good work that we're doing. And it really upsets me when I hear uh, adults say, 
Well, I mean, they're supposed to get good grades. Well, he's supposed to go to school. I mean, but we're supposed to show up and work on work at on time and just do our work. But we expect a raise and awards and promotions. <laughs> so, so you know, why why think anything less of our young people? But we think it's a blueprint because we've seen with our own eyes and we've heard from the mouths of those who were honored, those who were nominated but may not have gone on to be awarded, and those sitting in the audience that it impacted them to see other people like them be recognized for their achievements. So Mm -hmm. those who won say, yes, it helped them build the confidence to go ahead and apply for that college they thought they wouldn't be good for or start their own business. Um, Those who were simply nominated, they were just excited that someone saw them. Like, wow, you saw me doing something. And then we even received um, um, uh, testimonials from people saying that their grandmother or their parents dragged them to the Shine Awards <laughs> and seeing people that they didn't know inspired them to make better choices for their lives, which, yeah. as you mentioned, ultimately impacts everyone around them. And you were relating your own personal story, having grown up in the uh, in the projects and and so on. And uh, I, I know it says here that this is primarily for uh, black students and, and people of color, but is it exclusively for minorities or certain income levels? No, it's open to all young adults. Of course, we primarily feature on uh, black people and people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's open to everyone. And we've had um, a, a diverse group of students over the years be awarded uh, a Shine Award. So let's talk a little bit about these uh, awards. First of all, uh, what is the nomination process? Who can nominate uh, a young person? And what are some of the qualifications for a nominee? So it's super easy to nominate someone. And there's really not a heavy qualification except that they're doing what you are nominating them to do. Right. So um, you have to be between the ages of 13 to 24. Okay. And anyone can nominate. It could be a teacher, clergy, a neighbor. We even accept nominations from the young person themselves just because we don't know everyone's support system, if they have one or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had friends nominate each other. So, um, yeah, so super easy. And then the nominations are kind of in two phases. So right now, if you go to our website, theshineawards.org, um, and click the nomination button, um, it's just super easy. We just need to know their name, the category, the name of our school, you know, just basic information. Yeah. Now, then in the second week in January, that's when you'll get a thank you note from us saying, thank you for your nomination. Now tell us why. So right now we just need the nomination, but we're going to follow up with you in the new year for more details. And you mentioned there are a number of categories. You uh, hand out awards in a number of categories. What are those uh, categories? Yes. So we have categories in the arts. It could be visual arts or performing arts, academics, community service, service and ministry, entrepreneurship, STEM, leadership. Overcoming obstacles. Some people say overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. Youth group. We also have the movement award that recognizes an organization that works with youth. 
and we have the Lifetime Achievement Award that recognizes an adult who has spent most of their professional career guiding young people in the right direction. Hmm. Uh, it, it sounds uh, terrific, and what a great way to recognize. Like we said, th- the reality is that the majority of young people uh, across all uh, income levels, socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, all of that, uh, are good young people. Some of them are outstanding young people doing amazing things, and they certainly deserve uh, to be recognized for those efforts. Is there a uh, deadline, or when do you need to have those nominations in or the process started here? So we need the, the, the I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. The deadline is in January, and like I said, we um, respond back to you the second week in January. So the second okay. week in January is the deadline. Gotcha. And um, and then also, you know, our teens over the years, they nicknamed it the Grammys for teen because it's really glitzy and over the top. And it's <laughs> our opportunity to, it's our opportunity to shine a light on our young students and to let them know that they are the stars for this night. This is all about them. And where do folks go to learn more about the Shine Awards and nominate a young person? You have a website that lays it all out, right? Yep, we have a website that lays it all out. You can watch a brief promo video, the nominations there. If you don't have anyone to nominate, you can also donate. But the Shine Awards, it is the Shine Awards, theshineawards.org. We spell shine with a Y. Everyone uh, probably knows uh, a young person who is uh, excelling in one of those categories, and it would be great uh, to get uh, folks from this area, uh, these young people nominated for the uh, 13th Annual Shine Awards. Again, Orlana Darkins-Drury, the co-founder and executive director of the Shine Awards Foundation with us this morning. Orlana, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, and I'll be looking out for nominations coming from your area, so nominate today. Well, of course, we know that a healthy diet is fundamental to a fit and healthy you. It is the same for our dogs as well. So, what is the first step to setting your pet on the road to a healthy diet? Joining us this morning is veteran food editor Stacy Billis with some ideas on uh, feeding your pets healthier. And Stacy, you know, uh, over the course of the past year to 18 months during the pandemic, a lot of us have, have leaned on our dogs uh, for that uh, comfort and support. And you say this is a great way to sort of return the favor and give our dogs a little extra love in return. Oh, I sure do. I mean, I, I'm mom to a dog named Ziggy. I also have a family, two boys, an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. But really, it's Ziggy who has helped get us through the last 18 months. He's been a constant source of companionship and joy as we were cooped up at home. And, you know, it's a funny time for pets right now because we've been by their side constantly and we're starting to go out more. So I think it's the perfect moment to really think about spoiling them a little bit. And what better way to spoil any creature than to feed them delicious treats? (laughs) So, and and this, 
uh, may be the most important thing that you do for them long term as well. I mean, we talk about it in the context of doing something extra special and uh, returning the love that they have shown us over the past year and a half. Uh, but this is long term, maybe the best thing you can do for your dog's health. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's really important to think about what kind of treats you're giving them, right? Because treats can be high in calories. You know, pet obesity is on the rise. That's something that you want to think about, healthy weight management. That's why I am so excited to be partnered with Fruitables. They make a line of pet treats that are made with fruits and vegetables and superfoods. Number one on the list, perfect for the season, is pumpkin. So pumpkin has a ton of health benefits. It's a superfood, if you will. It's great for us, but like you said, it's it's the same idea. What you feed yourself is so important to how you nourish your body. The same for our pets. Treats are something that we want to spoil them with. We want to also make part of our everyday routine. And Fruitables makes that possible by making treats that are healthy for them. Combining that superfood pumpkin with other superfoods like blueberries and apples, strawberries and watermelon, peanut butter and banana. I mean, honestly, the flavor combinations are so mouthwatering that I ended up developing three recipes for us humans inspired <laughs> by Fruitables. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you you mentioned uh, a, a couple of times the word superfoods, um, and and we've heard that again in the context of of human diets. What are super superfoods for dogs, and how do they help with their health? Well, you know, it's very, very similar. Superfoods are just super nutrient-dense foods. And from my recipe developer point of view, they're also foods that are high in flavor because, you know, a healthy diet is great, but you want your food to taste good. And it goes the same for our pets. So superfoods are these nutrient-dense ingredients, mostly fruits and vegetables, Mm -hmm. that we can combine in these delicious ways to get them excited And that's what Fruitables does for us. It does the combinations. All of the ingredients they use are dog safe, so you don't have to worry. Because, you know, there are some healthy foods for humans that aren't quite safe for dogs. exactly. You can just, right? You can just pop open a bag of Fruitables and know that you're feeding your dog something that will super nourish them. It's wholesome. It's good for them. And again, with that pumpkin, it's good for their digestive tract. You know, they're getting some potassium. It's good for weight management. And, you know, again, the bottom line is it's delicious. And I'm telling you, Ziggy can attest to the fact that these (laughs) treats are delicious. Um, And because the the last thing we want to do when we give our dog a treat is is wreck their diet or, or, again, uh, negatively impact their health because that's, you know, the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. You mentioned uh, some uh, ways that uh, uh, pet owners can uh, join in the fun and, and celebrate with their with their dogs, as it were. Well, you know, again, I'm going to bring it back to food. That's always where the joy is, in my opinion. <laughs> so if you go to fruitablespet.com slash blog, you're going to, of course, learn more about Fruitables and where you can find them near you, but you're going to also find those recipes I was talking about. So bacon-wrapped apples, peanut butter banana breakfast bars, pumpkin spice loft house style cookies with a Greek yogurt frosting so that you can also whip something up for yourself and celebrate alongside your pet. There you go. Those uh, sound, those actually sound too delectable to be healthy, but I'm sure they are. Um, <laughs> they are. 
we <laughs> talking about superfoods uh, for your dogs and celebrating the fun side of healthy uh, with our pets. Again, uh, food editor uh, Stacy Billis with us this morning. Mention again the uh, website where folks can get the recipes. Absolutely. It's fruitablespet.com slash blog. You can also find Fruitables on social media as at fruitablespet. And also, hey, come say hi to me. I'm at Stacy Billis on Instagram. Stacy, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. An Ohio man has been accused of shooting his son because he would not stop playing the guitar. <laughs> I think, I mean, let's be honest, I think we've all, as parents, had those moments when your kid is in the middle school band and is <laughs> practicing <laughs> badly uh, that we've wanted to do this. But according to reports, 79-year-old Fred Hensley Sr. shot his 50-year-old son Fred Hensley Jr. because he had been playing the guitar for over an hour nonstop. The uh, younger Hensley was struck in the side of the stomach, although, and <laughs> this, this is great, the father told police he had intended to shoot the guitar, <laughs> but, but he uh, struck his son in the side. Public records indicate that Mr. the elder Mr. Hensley has been charged with felonious assault and domestic violence. <laughs> Honestly, I meant to shoot the guitar. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Elsewhere in the broken news, police in British Columbia, Canada, have asked. This is a Halloween story, and again, we talk about. Uh, we've had a number of stories in the broken news about Halloween decorations that just go a little bit over the top. Police in British Columbia have asked a driver to remove the Halloween decorations from his car because they were determined to be a little too scary. Officers found the car adorned with fake blood all over the windows and the message, help me, scrawled out on the window. <laughs> yeah, that would get some attention, I would think. Police asked the uh, owner of the vehicle to remove the decorations because it was just a little too scary and might cause more calls of concern to the police. <laughs> Yeah, I could see where that would be a problem for the uh, for the cops. Sometimes I think people get a little too sensitive, but in this case, I think I can understand. <laughs> that might be a little much. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, police in Tennessee on Thursday arrested Edward Hurley for suspected drug dealing. And what I thought was... Funny about this story, Mr. Hurley is facing charges of sale and delivery of methamphetamine after being caught by Madisonville narcotics investigators who suspected him of selling and delivering the drugs using his bicycle. So, in other words, he was accused of pedaling while he was pedaling. Where's my rim shot when I need it? That deserved a rim shot, didn't it? That... All right. 
<laughs> Sometimes I amuse myself. Moving on. A Florida mother says she was banned from volunteering at her children's school after uh, school authorities discovered his, her OnlyFans account. Now, if you're not familiar, the uh, website OnlyFans is a uh, video website, kind of like TikTok or YouTube, but uh, people post uh, <clears throat> homemade adult videos on OnlyFans. Victoria Treese whose five- and ten-year-old children go to Sand Lake Elementary School in Orange County, had been volunteering at the school for five years, but she was told a couple of weeks ago she could no longer do so. She was no longer welcome to volunteer at the school. She is suing for a million dollars, telling local news station, nobody has the right to judge what other people do for a living. I feel judged and so isolated. Well, you know, if you're going to post homemade porn online, people are going to judge you. That's, I mean, (laughs) rightly or wrongly, you're going to get judged. Her attorney says, quote, in a statement, what authoritarian mentality allows someone to point to a point, a discriminating finger at someone and say, we don't approve of you and you can't be around children. Well, if, if you're a porn star, it's probably... Not appropriate to have you volunteering at a school, even your own kid's school. So anyway, I I don't know that that lawsuit's going anywhere, but uh, I don't know. These days it probably will. Who knows? Here's uh, another school story, and this one is a little crazy. A Kentucky school district is in the news after pictures from a homecoming assembly at Hazard High School went viral this week. And in case you haven't seen this, images from the school's traditional man pageant uh, were posted online showing male students dressed in women's lingerie giving lap dances to school officials. (laughs) Female students were also shown wearing Hooters shirts and carrying drinks made to look like beer, like cans of beer. One of the officials was the principal and the mayor of Hazard, Donald Mobellini. (laughs) Superintendent Sandra Combs says things went too far and action has been taken. But she would not discuss personnel matters. So we don't know exactly what action has been taken. Not everyone wants to see disciplinary action take place. Those in support of the principal held a rally outside the school on Thursday (laughs) as if it's appropriate for this sort of thing to be happening in school. (laughs) What bothers me more? I mean, think about this. You've got uh, boys of the school dressed up in women's lingerie, giving lap dances to school officials, including the principal and female students wearing Hooters shirts and carrying what looks like beer uh, around the school. (laughs) And this Again, going back to the start of the story, is a traditional man pageant assembly at the school. (laughs) How long has this tradition been going on? I mean, what kind of district would approve of this and make it an annual tradition, I wonder? (laughs) That's just crazy to me. There you go. That is uh, some of the uh, odd and unusual uh, news, to be sure. Today's broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less.
of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN Radio News. We keep you in the know with the events of our community that affect you and your family. Whenever it happens, you can count on us to fill you in with the information you need. We'll also keep you up to date with all the latest from around the Buckeye State with the help of the Ohio News Network. And we cover the nation and the world with the resources of ABC News. The information you need around the clock from your news authority. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and now at 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So after a year of remote learning, kids uh, locked down at home during the pandemic, uh, they're back in class now. And a new survey shows that parents post-pandemic are also in large numbers ready to go back to school. This is a a survey of 2,000 Americans commissioned by UMass Global. 62% of adults say that the pandemic has made them realize that life's too short to sell themselves short and have decided to follow their dreams. 62%. That's a pretty impressive number. 44% of respondents plan to return to college to learn something new. And four in five claim they'd be better students than they were the first time around. Well, that's no brainer. I think we all know that we would be better students as adults going back to college than we were the first time around. 49% said prioritizing their finances were the reason they haven't pursued these goals sooner. 40% say starting a family led them to put their dreams on hold, but now they're ready to to do that. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with the pandemic sort of uh, giving us the kick in the pants we need to to change our thinking uh, about our priorities. Um. Just three in 10 parents say the college degree they received initially was connected to their dream job. Just three in 10 say the college degree that they initially received was connected to their dream job. So, again, I think this is uh, significant because it's not just those who didn't go to college or didn't finish college who are talking about going back to school and completing their degree, it's including people who already have a degree and are now looking for something different. 11% tried to pursue their dream career, but didn't finish. 17% chose a realistic job rather than their ideal one. And now, again, we've altered our priorities and we're ready to do something different. All of that said, there are still obstacles for some For example, three in four parents in this survey say that they would find returning to school too difficult because of their responsibilities to their family life. The same number that say returning to college would limit their family time, so there is that. 77% of parents say going back to school would be viable if their classes were online. So, (laughs) again, while our kids are going physically back to class, uh, for adults... Maybe the online remote learning is going to be the ideal solution. 47% said fully online would be great. And 30% said that they could swing a hybrid model of in-person and uh, learning and online learning uh, to get their degree 
or get a degree and uh, pursue their dream career or something they've always wanted to do. I think that's really cool. So uh, to all of those individuals who fall into that category, kudos to you and certainly best of luck in following your dreams. I love that. Once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> morning sunshine. Oh, I wish oh, there was some bright -eyed sunshine. Bushy-tailed here this morning. You are the sunshine <laughs> that Mother Nature has not provided <laughs> yeah. for us okay. today. Okay. You're brightening that up works. the studio and. <laughs> That works. I know. I'm laying it okay. on pretty thick there, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Hey. I, I, I love you, but no. <laughs> I, I'm not above, you know, I'll suck up to you. I'll put okay. that in the bank for, okay. you know, later today. I'm Christmas sure. Christmas is I'll, coming. I'll, I'm sure that yeah. I'll need it at some yes, point. Yes. Uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, bank that. <laughs> Collection of fall-inspired recipes uh, from Kyra's Kitchen to wrap up the week this week. Yes. And... Um, this one is kind of an all-in-one, you know, usually... Yes, I love all-in-ones. <laughs> yeah, we usually we do, you know, like a main main dish, yeah. a side dish, a dessert. And uh, so this first one is kind of uh, all-in-one. It's yep. a sheet pan maple Dijon sausage and fall veggies dish. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. so 12-ounce um, so smoked uh, skinless sausage. That's what I like to use, any type of kielbasa will work. Okay. Um, two large sweet potatoes, peeled, diced, um, about three quarters to a half inch cubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 ounce Brussels sprouts uh, trimmed and halved. Uh, a half a medium red onion, roughly sliced. As you can see, there's all kinds of pretty colors in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, one tablespoon of minced garlic, two tablespoons of olive oil, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, and your salt and ground pepper uh, for taste. Right. So then your sauce is a third cup of maple syrup and a third cup of Dijon mustard. So and so that you get a <laughs> bit of a uh, sweet and spicy yeah, kind of thing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So preheat your oven to four hundred degrees. Lightly spray a large sheet pan with cooking spray, or if you want, you can um, uh, line your uh, sheet pan with foil. Um, or um, they have oh, like the liners. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so easy cleanup, a little, yeah. little bit easier mm -hmm. cleanup. Uh, turn the Brussels sprouts um, uh, cut side down. Um, add your potatoes and your sausage. Um, drizzle that with olive oil. Then sprinkle your seasonings and your salt and pepper to taste. Uh, kind of use your hands and kind of mix it up a get little it bit. Get all in there. Yeah, get it you're all gonna, mixed up a little you're bit. Gonna all, yeah. You're going to get a little gooey yeah. there. Yeah, mix it up a little bit, then flatten it out, and then um, roast your uh, sweet potatoes and Brussels sprouts for um, about uh, 15 minutes or so. Um, and then you're going to combine your syrup and your, your Dijon mustard in a bowl and mix that well. Then... Uh, remove the pan from the oven, add your sausage, your garlic, and your red onions, drizzle s 
some of about half of the Dijon uh, sauce over top, mm-hmm. mix it up again real well, then flatten it out again, and then put it back in the oven for about 15 minutes longer, then remove the sheet pan from the oven, drizzle the remaining sauce on top, and let it coat and and serve. Wow, that is really easy. I mean, for as much as you have going on yeah. in that dish... Uh, that is really easy yeah. and only about a half hour, yeah. 45 minutes of yep. uh, prep time and yep. you got dinner. One pan and you're good to go. Yeah. The sheet pan, maple Dijon sausage and fall veggies. Yes. And then for dessert, and this is perfect for fall because it's apple season. Yes. We have, and this I guess could be a, des- uh, I guess it's dessert. I, yeah. I, I was thinking this could be a main dish too. You um, could put it with your. You could. Put I don't it with know. Your, this is yeah. more dessert. It's yeah. kind of like a dessert. Depends it's, on it if says, you're going to add ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it says apple crisp pizza. Yes. The apple crisp part. Yes. Definitely dessert. And I'm thinking pizza. Would it be a main dish if no. you want? But no. This more, is this is this really is a this is like a dessert yeah. pizza. It's just a flat apple crisp so, pizza. Yeah. So um, a nine inch um, pie crust. Uh, just your single pastry that you your Pillsbury like Pillsbury crust. Okay. Not not the one that's in the foil pan already. Just your flat one. Okay. That you so get like flatten, in the refrigerator. You, so in you're the refrigerator. Flatten the yeah. uh, pie crust. You're not going to use it as a pie crust. You can you're use, use your, it as right. a pizza crust. Correct. So okay. you don't want to get like one of the frozen well, pie that's already in the pans. You want to get your Pillsbury ones that are in the refrigerator section. Okay. So theoretically, or make your own. Right. Or theoretically, could you use like a pizza crust on this? Mm, no, because um, because it's fluffier where this okay. is more. So you don't want it yeah, fluffy. This is flucky, fla- flaky and. Want it flaky, flat. not fluffy. <clears throat> flaky, <throat> not fluffy. Yes. yes okay. Yes. So that's the direction. Yes. Flaky, not fluffy. Yep. All right. So how do we do this? A two thirds cup of sugar, three tablespoons of all purpose flour, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon. Four medium apples peeled and diced um, into a quarter inch pieces. Um, then your topping is half a cup of all-purpose flour, one third cup packed brown sugar, a half a cup of old-fashioned rolled oats, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, and a quarter cup salted butter softened. And then you've got your drizzle, which is just your caramel topping, your sm- yeah. Smucker's caramel topping, or okay. or whatever. Um, Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Roll pastry to fit a 12-inch pizza pan. Um, I like using my iron skillet, so oh, okay. you have a little bit of an edge to it. Okay. So uh, fold under the uh, fold under the edges uh, to give the pizza a bit of a raised crust. Mm-hmm. Combine sugar, flour, cinnamon, and a medium bowl. Um, add peeled, diced uh, apples, toss that around, just like you're doing an apple pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, arrange the apples in a single layer over the pie crust to completely cover it. So you want to completely cover right. it edge to edge. Uh, combine your flour, your brown sugar, your oats, your cinnamon, and butter in a bowl. Mix that up well. Then sprinkle that up on top of your apples. Bake for bake at 350 for about 35 to 40 minutes or until the apples are tender. So you can take a fork or a toothpick or something like that. And if it slides in real easy, then it's good mm-hmm. to go. Right. Um, remove from the oven and immediately drizzle with the caramel topping. While it's still warm there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cut uh, with a uh, pizza cutter. Uh, serve warm with some ice cream if you want mm. or whipped cream. Boy, that, is, uh, that is good stuff. Yes. So uh, great recipe for all of those fresh apples that you yes. and, and you use what 
kind of apples pink usually? Pink lady. Pink lady apples. Yes, Those that's are your my favorite. favorite. Okay. Yep. And would that be for this as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could use any apple. You can use whatever, any apple. Whatever yeah. is your favorite apple. Yeah. I mean, you could use a green apple if you want. Yeah. So. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. That would be good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the uh, sheet pan maple Dijon sausage and fall veggies and the apple crisp pizza are your recipes this week for fall. Yummy, yummy, yummy stuff. <laughs> We've got those recipes posted on our Facebook page and linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, with her recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this week. <laughs> Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information on all the topics that we talk about today and throughout the week at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. So be sure to check us out online. Coming up Monday on the program, five months after it ended, how do we grade the impact of the Paycheck Protection Program? And what now for the millions of small businesses left to struggle for survival on their own? We'll get an inside look at new research on all of that from the folks at Dun & Bradstreet. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.